today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Never imagine that the Lord is aloof or distant or indifferent. No, He sees, He knows, He cares, and He will not rest until He settles it for you. He resolves it for you. He does it for you. He will not rest. Never imagine that the Lord does not care about what you're going through. Whatever it is, He will not rest until He has settled it for you. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. Chances are you've had your fair share of moments of wondering just where it is that the Lord is during your time of trouble. In some cases, it's easy to assume God has better things to do. However, as Pastor J.D. will remind you in his message today, God takes interest in every part of your life. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 62 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. You shall, verse 4, no longer be termed forsaken, nor shall your land any more be termed desolate as it had been and would yet future continue to be, even for the last 2,000 years to modern day. Desolate, forsaken, but you shall be called Hafzibah, and your land Baulah, for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be, and here it is, married. Ah. So if the name is the nature and it is, what's up with these names? Okay. Hafzibah means my delight is in her, and Beulah means married. Can you connect those dots? Now understand that Israel is the wife of God and the church is the bride of Christ. You know that, right? And when at the rapture we consummate our marriage to our bridegroom, we will become not the bride of Christ, but the wife of Christ. So interesting the nature, the names. And this is something that is missed in our culture, in our day. What's in a name, you say? I'll tell you what's in a name. The name is the nature of who that person is. And we see it replete throughout Scripture. In fact, it was a custom to not name the child until you knew the nature of that child. If I'd have done that, I would not have named my two sons, Elias and Levi. I would have named them Search and Destroy, because that was their nature. Well, that's kind of what it, what it, here's an example. Well, first of all, my, my given name, my Arab name is Wahid. That's why I have a legal AKA JD. So Wahid is the nature. That's my name. Wahid is firstborn. In fact, when you read the Bible in Arabic, it says of Jesus, El-Wahid. 
<laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just saying. But the numbers one through five in Arabic are wahid, wahid, tanin, talata, arba, khamsa. So you're literally saying number one, firstborn, only begotten. So the name is the nature. I was the firstborn, only begotten son of my mother and father. Thank you very much. And then my sister was born and ruined everything. But anyway. So the name is a nature. Another example. Uh, Isaac, we pronounce it. It's actually the same uh, pronunciation in Arabic as it is in Hebrew. Uh, Yitzhak in Hebrew. Yitzhak in Arabic. It means laughter. Literally means laughter. So if I were to say to you in Arabic, Ana Yitzhak ma'akum. I just said, I am laughing with you, not at you, with you. (laughs) Laughter. The name is the nature. What do you mean? Because when (laughs) the angel of the Lord appears to Abraham and tells him, one year from the day, (laughs) Sarah's going to give birth to a son. And she laughed. And they named him Laughter. Isaac, Yitzhak, because it was laughable. And even Abraham said as much. Not, he didn't laugh, but (laughs) he's basically in protest says, uh, you know, that was an old prayer. (laughs) And my wife's old, and I'm old, and that ship has sailed, and she's 90, and I'm 100, and we are no longer spring chickens, and how are you going to do that? And the Lord's like, watch me now. I'm going to do it. And he did it. Exactly one year to the day. Just real quick, if you don't mind, I want to share with you a personal testimony in this regard. I've, I've shared it before. Maybe it's appropriate to share it now. My wife and I could not have children. We were told that we had unexplained infertility, which means basically they can't explain your infertility. So for 10 years we couldn't have children. We tried to adopt The birth mother, 15 years old, actually, and two weeks before we met her for the first time to place her baby with us in an open adoption, she came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we were all set to go. We were there when the baby was born. It was a girl. We even named her. And birth mother starts bonding with the baby. We kind of saw the proverbial handwriting on the wall. She asked us for permission to take her baby home before she places her with us for for adoption, and of course we granted it, but we realized, you know what, we need to release her from this, and we are not to adopt this baby girl. So of course we're devastated, and I remember as if it were yesterday, and that's not hyperbole, literally. I can I can recall this as if it were yesterday. It is that clear. I was literally on my face before the Lord, praying, crying. And I cried out to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to my heart. It wasn't audible, didn't need to be. He said, one year from today, I'm going to give you a son. And I had made a vow to God that if he would give me a son, I would sell my business and serve him all the days of my life. So when he gave me that word, it was June 1st, 1997. 
And then it was very strong. The sense I had was I was to go and tell my wife, and I even was forewarned that she would do what Sarah did, and she would laugh, and she did. I've tried not to rub her face in this over the years, but I went and I said, Honey, God has spoken to me, not audibly, and He has promised me that one year from today we are going to have a son. She's like... (laughs) You know, like, it's okay, honey, you know, I know you're losing it. Uh, we're going to get through this. And on June 2nd, 1998, my son was born. And he's 23 years old today. And I sold my business and started my first church on the mainland and never looked back. But it was that word that he had given to Abraham, and it was a word very specific. And he did it exactly as he said he would. So we named him Elias because it means God answers prayer. The name is the nature. Verse 5, for as a young man marries a virgin, you see the marriage picture throughout, woven throughout the fabric of this. This is a great encouragement, by the way, to people who are still single who really long to be married, but have never been married. Oh, this is for you. This is for you. For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. I have set watchmen on your walls, verse 6, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent and give him, notice that's capitalized, no rest till he establishes and till he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Take that. He will not rest out of your hip pocket. We need it now. This is, again, it's poetic, but it's this notion of the Lord not resting until He does this. And it's reminiscent of the book of Ruth, chapter 3. I want to begin reading in verse 16. This was one of the most, I don't know what word to use, but I know I say every book of the Bible is amazing, but for those of you that were with us when we were studying through the book of Ruth, Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, a type of Christ. Ruth, the Gentile bride, a type of the church. Oh, the typology was just... (laughs) Verse 16, Ruth 3. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Nobody does that unless. Ah, And Naomi picks it up and she says, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. And then she says this, For the man, speaking of Boaz, a type of Christ, will not rest until the matter is settled today. Did you catch that? Isaiah is declaring 
that God will not rest until He does this. Does what? Everything He has declared that He will do. He will not rest. I, I, I love the, the picture that's painted on the canvas of this chapter. It's, it's this picture of a restlessness and urgency. I cannot rest until I have my bride. I cannot rest until I do that which I have declared and promised that I will do. And only then will I rest. Not until. Verse 8, the Lord has sworn by His right hand and by the arm of His strength. Real quick, you know what, just bear with me. I just, uh, I'm sorry I'm being discombobulated here, but I think this is the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here and you've got this matter, this burden, this issue. I want to encourage you that the Lord will not rest until He settles it for you. Never imagine that the Lord is aloof or distant or indifferent. No, He sees, He knows, He cares, and He will not rest until He settles it for you. He resolves it for you. He does it for you. He will not rest. Never imagine that the Lord does not care about what you're going through. Whatever it is, He will not rest until He has settled it for you. Now verse 8. I feel better now. Thank you. The Lord has sworn by His right hand and by the arm of His strength, Surely I will no longer give your grain as food for your enemies, and the sons of the foreigners should not drink your new wine for which you have labored, which is exactly what had happened throughout the history of Israel. But verse 9, Those who have gathered it shall eat it and praise the Lord. Those who have brought it together shall drink it in my holy courts. Go through, go through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Take out the stones. Lift up a banner for the people's people. This carries with it the idea of let's make level the road. Prepare the way. There's a there's a slope here. Let's build it up. Bring the stones in. Let's level it out. Let's prepare the way. It's a little bit too high here. It's a little bit too bumpy here. There's a pothole here. Would the city and county come out here and face that? Sorry, I digress. Sorry. But that's what he's saying. Verse 11, indeed, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the world, say to the daughter of Zion, surely your salvation is coming. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. And verse 12, lastly, and they shall call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called sought out a city not forsaken. Wow. What a way to end the chapter and with it the Bible study with this glorious proclamation. And it couldn't have come at a better time. 
Because you have to understand, this prophecy was to the Jews returning from Babylonian captivity to Jerusalem. And more importantly, again, a dual prophecy, this speaks to its ultimate fulfillment when they return to Jerusalem in the millennium. Here's the takeaway, and we'll close. You're going through this difficult trial. You're really struggling. You're crushed under the weight of what it is that you're going through. And here's the word of the Lord saying, here's what I'm going to do. I won't rest until I do it. I will do it. I said it, and that settles it. It will be done. What's going to be done? Oh, the road is going to be repaved for you as you come back. And it will not be like it was before. Because see, the Medeanites would always come in and steal the grain that they'd worked hard for and harvested all year. That's why, by the way, Gideon is hiding in the threshing floor, sifting the the grain. He's hiding from the Medeanites because he knew they were going to come, and he was in fear of them, and because they would come and take all of their grain that they had worked so hard for all year. And <laughs> this is one of those accounts, I won't take the time to go into it. I love, love, love Gideon. And he's another guy I want to meet when we get to heaven. But here he is hiding in fear of the Midianites, and God appears to him and says, I'm going to use you to deliver the Israelites out of the hand of the Midianites. <laughs> God, you pulled the wrong file. (laughs) You got the wrong guy. And he goes on, and he's like three strikes and I'm out. Strike number one, I'm the black sheep of my family. Strike number two, my family is the black sheep of my tribe. And strike number three, my tribe is the black sheep of the tribes of Israel. So you better find somebody else. No, God says, no, (laughs) no, it's you. It's you. Okay, and then he goes through that whole fleece thing. I told you I wouldn't go into it, but I'm going into it. So (laughs) maybe there's a reason for this. But the reason I'm going to choose and use you is because of what the Apostle Paul would say to the Corinthians. I I choose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. So, So there's no way, even if you wanted to, you'd ever be able to take the credit for what I'm going to do when I deliver the Midianites into the hands of the of the Israelites using you. Because they're going to look at you, because they know you, Gideon. And they're going to say, Gideon? Yeah. Well, it wasn't Gideon. I know, it was God. See, God gets the credit for it. God gets all the glory for it. And you know those 300 men that he was down to after, you know, God, he had 32,000. You know the story, right? And God keeps telling him, you got way too many men. And and here's Gideon going, God, have, have you seen how many they have? I have too many men. They have too many men. No, you have too many men. So (laughs) he sends home 9,700 when he's down to 10,000 who had, uh, you know, stuck their faces in the water and just, you know, drink the water. And, And then he separates them from the ones that cup the water and bring it to their mouths, right? You ever wondered why he would distinguish between the 9,700 and the 300 who didn't stick their 
you know, uh, faces. In the, you know, you've probably heard it taught that, well, these were the top guns, the Green Berets, the mighty warriors, because they're cupping the water to their mouth, not sticking their face in there, and they got one eye on the battlefield. No, it doesn't fit. Because it is conceivable that 300 top guns could take the credit for the victory. I believe, and I've... <clears throat> you'll bear with me, but I think those 300 that cupped the water to their mouth could not stick their face in the water because they were infirmed. They were elderly. They were disabled. I don't use handicapped. You want to know why, by the way? This is just a, an aside. Hand with a cap in it, a handout begging, for money, handicapped, no, disabled. That's, that's a, an important distinction. That's not being politically correct. That's being respectful. They're disabled, not handicapped, because that has this idea of, so I'm, I'm calling these 300 men of Gideon disabled. They, they had some kind of an infirmity, and they could not. <laughs> I'll tell you, I bear witness with this, because... As I get older, I, I, you know, I drop money on the ground. I'm like, nah. <laughs> when I was younger, yeah. I mean, if it was a nickel, I'm, get, I'm getting down there and I'm getting that thing. I drop a dollar and I'm like, nah, maybe not. It's not worth it. <clears throat> anyway, enough of my problems. But you get the point. God gets the glory. Only God gets the glory. No flesh is going to glory in His presence. But God is going to do this, as He did this for them then, He's going to do this for us now. And if, again, you're here, they're watching online, and you're really struggling, God has made this promise to you of the glory that awaits. You just hold on. Again, we're going to talk about this in the update as well on Sunday. You just hold on. I'm coming, man. Prepare the road. It's going to happen very soon. You take heart and be encouraged. Let's have Capono come up. We'll close in prayer. Why don't you stand? And uh, Capono will close us in song. Father in heaven, I, <sighs> I always, when we get to the end, don't want it to end. And, but at the same time, I just... Man, there's just so much here that we really need for the Holy Spirit to enable us to take home with us. So we don't leave this here because, Lord, you want to take this to the next level in our lives so it's real in our lives. You want to bless this to our hearts and apply this to our lives. And Lord, we want you to do that. Because we don't want to be numbered amongst those of whom it is said, as James writes, that, oh, they're just merely hearers of the word and not doers of the word. No, we want to be doers of the word. Lord, you have spoken your word into our hearts, and now we need the Holy Spirit in order to do that which we've heard here in your word. Will you do that for us, Lord? Lord, thank you for this encouraging word. What a glorious promise and declaration that awaits us. 
Lord, thank you that you won't rest until you fulfill this and do this. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged as you learn some good things from the book of Isaiah. Did you realize that there are 39 chapters in Isaiah that address judgment and 27 chapters that point to God's salvation? How fascinating that this book relates to 39 books of the Old Testament, much about judgment of sin, and 27 books of the New Testament, pointing to Jesus as God's salvation for the world. Isaiah is yet another example of how God interweaves the old with the new, and how prophecies from old point to fulfillment of that later. Are you seeing the connections that God has written into these pages of Isaiah? If you're wanting to hear this message again or more like it, you can find them at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can learn more about the church this ministry is supported by, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. If you're not already plugged into a local church, we invite you to be part of our church family. If you're in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love for you to come visit us on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from the book of Isaiah. We look forward to the next edition with Pastor J.D. and the things that God has put on his heart to share from this prophetic book. Thanks again for listening today to In Spirit and Truth.